Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to Matt Hogan. Now, Matt, you are an executive coach, and when we first started talking, I was excited because we're both in Austin, Texas, and then I found out that you say that you are in a nomadic uh, lifestyle right now. You're going to have to tell us all about that because I'm really interested in what you mean by that. But Matt, you are really um, a, just a powerful person in terms of like what you do and what you've done and where you've traveled. I mean, you were out in Greece the other day and you just got back. Now you're in Denver. <sighs> okay, so <laughs> tell us about Matt Hogan and what it's like to be you and how you became the executive coach that you are today. I'm really, really thrilled to be here today. I've actually been looking forward to this call. <laughs> it was on my calendar and I had just time slotted off to just be ready for this call. This is going to be a exciting conversation <laughs> with the energy that you're already bringing that I know you bring. I know this is going to be a good one. <laughs> what does it feel like to be me? You know, it feels like to be me is like, it's all about curiosity. It's all about, you know, really what's the meaning of our lives and what does it mean to live a meaningful life? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to be me, it's about a, a day in, day out learning of what that means, what it means to live happy, what it means to live well, what it means to live something that we deem meaningful. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what a day in the life is for me, what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like a, a deep sense of appreciation and curiosity. Yeah, you know, when you, when you, when you told me that um, you are living a nomadic lifestyle right now, I, I was really intrigued by that because I can just imagine you know, you're really living in the moment right now. You know, first you're overseas and now you're here and now you're in Denver, you know, all these things. Tell us what that's been like, uh, your, your journey, your recent journey sort of around the world. How's that going? You know, it's funny. When I was in corporate, I got paid to be someone that knew a lot. Yeah. And then when I left and started building my business, I learned that the more I learned, the less I really knew. Mm. Um, so the more cultures I experienced, the more people I met, the more I was like, I don't know as much as I think I do. And that's yeah. very humbling. Um, I really would say that I summarize my experiences around the world in this, that I've really discovered what it means to be human mm. uh, and the beauty of humanity. Mm. Wow. You know, um, so, so, okay. So you said something earlier that I wrote down because, you know, I'm a, I love people's quotes and your quote here was powerful. You said that the happier you become, the more money you make. Dude, you gotta, you gotta TM that. You gotta like trademark that. <laughs> Cause that, that's a good one. I love that. Tell us what you mean by that. What do you mean by the happier you become, the more money you make? What I found was in my corporate career, for example, the, when I would bring conversations to my manager, to my higher ups, to anyone in the business that was relevant that I was working with, peers, colleagues, direct reports, the level of excitement, engagement, enthusiasm I brought with me was always infectious. It was yeah. contained. And it always created this rallying point, this um, relationship network within the company that led to me get creating a lot of promotions for myself. And I saw a lot of career growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with career growth came, came more profit. Leaving corporate, jumping out on my own where I was building the plane in the air, um, I found that I, I landed into this a lot of drudgery and 
self-doubt and self-fear when I was really going out on my own. A lot of those beliefs that we can come up with, like, can I do this? Am I up for this? What if I fail? And what I noticed was the more that I listened to those thoughts of self-doubt, the more I listened to those thoughts of can I do this, the more my happiness went down. And the more Mm -hmm. my happiness went down, my coaching was worse and worse. The better I was able to increase my own happiness through my relationship with myself, I noticed that people that spent time with me, just like when I was in corporate, they became happier. They enjoyed life more. And that's helped me make more money with clients, existing clients and new clients. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's contagious. It's totally contagious, you know, and I can tell you, you just said something that, and again, I wrote it down because it's so powerful and so true for me. And let me tell you what it is. Uh, back when I was in corporate, um, I worked for a company called EDS, and they've since changed their name and gone away. I think it got bought by HP. EDS was Electronic Data Systems, Ross Perot's company. And I was a director of marketing, and um, we <laughs> we created this ad for EDS, which was an airplane flying in the air while people were building it. <laughs> Right. Like the airplane is flying literally and you got people stitching the sides onto it. And And when you said that, I was like, oh, that is just so, so true for me. And I'm sure for most people, because because our lives are really just like that. You're literally trying to fly a plane in the air that you haven't even fully, fully built yet. And we need help for that. And and I, I assume that's something that you've learned from and that you help your clients, isn't it? A lot of my plane building has helped me out with my clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that most of the people that come to me that I end up working with are really in a state of being ready for change. Mm. Um, I'll give an example. Uh, a woman that I worked with not too long ago when we met, she really was focused on wanting to change her marriage. She thought that her marriage was the problem in her life. What we really came to find out, a lot of her anxiety, her stress, her doubt was she had a a really poor relationship with herself, the way she saw herself and what she thought she deserved as a woman. And so we spent a lot of time really focusing on who she was, who she wanted to be and how, who she was afraid to be was actually creating the, 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 the toxic marriage, the, the challenge in her parenting, the, the lull in her career. And so through our time together, what ended up changing was she later changed her marriage. she, and then went and got like a $40,000 pay increase in her job, changed jobs. And she said her children are closer than they've ever been. But what it was for her was very similar for me. I was at a point a few years ago where I had such a distaste for myself as a human. Mm-hmm. I doubted myself a lot. I was, who am I to want this? Who am I to think I can have this? And much more. And she was in that same space. And so I found that I was helping her with something that I had already transitioned through. Yeah. Just like some of the business owners that I work with, they're transitioning out of corporate, like a CFO that I'm working with. He was recently a CFO. Now he's running his own coaching consulting company. Mm-hmm. Um, similar similar uh, situation there. I'm helping people a lot with where I was at and their transitions as well. And isn't that like the most powerful uh, way to help others? You know, one of my favorite sayings is a leader is one who has gone the way, uh, who knows the way and can therefore show the way. Um, and, and you're doing that, you know, you're, you're able to meet people where they're at because you've kind of been there in a more powerful way than just using a bunch of psychology, you know, uh, assessments and having no real personal insight. Um, 
But but on that note, let's transition into what you do today. G- g- give us a sense of whom you serve. Um, you know, I, I know that you serve uh, people in corporate, but is that exclusively uh, just people in corporate? And how do you serve people? So I work between a mix of coaches and consultants and then executives and other professionals. Got it. So that would be my split. It's, you know, that's kind of a demographic, if you will. But what I find is it's more of a uh, psychographic that draws. It's people that are drawn to me or the people that are really, like I said, ready for a change mm-hmm. are really at a point in life where they are, they know that they are not creating their life the way they could be. There's something mm-hmm. bigger. They know there's more to it. And they've tried, tried again to actually make these changes and haven't been successful. Mm-hmm. And so like even the two clients I just mentioned, you know, one of them had been, she'd been trying on her own for a long, long time and just wasn't getting anywhere. And so that was where she was like, I'm ready for a change and I'm ready for support. So there's a psychographic. And then with all these people, they're, they're at a place where they're willing to look at the things in their life that are uncomfortable. They're mm-hmm. ready to say, you know what? I've been doing this for years. I cl- see how it got me here and I'm ready to do something different. So those are, that's kind of the mentality behind the people I work with. They just happen to be predominantly coaches, consultants, or in corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as how I serve them, my focus is really about being a thinking partner in people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's about when I work with someone, we don't talk about, oh, you get me for this amount of hours and we have this many conversations. No, I become a part of your life. Mm-hmm. I'm a very, very intricate part of your life. I'm kind of like a lifeline. And I'm there to be your thinking partner when we're just brainstorming. I'm there to help you solve challenges when you can't solve them on your own. And I'm also the one that's always going to see the best in you when you forget to see it yourself. Mm. So you must be um, you must be a great listener, right? Is that kind of something that, that you you work on is just listening to, to people's lives and becoming a part of it that way? Yeah, I, I have found that my ever increasing ability to just shut this thing up, yeah. <laughs> to truly hear what's going on over here, creates the greatest breakthroughs and transformation for the people I speak with. You know, it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned a couple of times one of my favorite words, and, and I'm sure most people know this word, but I don't think a lot of people use it, and that is psychographics, um, um, which just gives me a sense of kind of <laughs> what you love to talk about and what you love to do. But, you know, people think of demographics as who you are, and then psychographics as why you are or why you do what you do. But, um, you know, do you have a methodology that you've built up that you can share with us? I mean, of course, you know, if it's a secret one, don't tell us, but <laughs> do you have a, me- a method that you use to get down into um, the psychographics uh, of people and help them unearth change? I mean, mine's really simple and it's bespoke. So it's really to the individual. Um, and it's by me spending time with them, getting to know them. What are their secret fears? What are their mm-hmm. dreams? What is the life they're not living that they want to be living? And so my methodology is really getting to know the person that they see themselves as, the person they know they really are, and then helping them get to that. And when I really look at it this way, you know, I've had people ask me, what's your five-step process? What's your agenda? Well, here's the thing. You are the process and you are the agenda. You talk, I listen. I talk, you listen. We dance. Ooh. Okay. Wait a second. That's an advertisement. I love that. <laughs> you talk. I listen. What'd you say? And then we dance. I love that. You talk. I listen. I talk. You listen. And then we dance. Ooh. 
Dude, <laughs> I really enjoyed that one because for some reason there's a there's a music to it. Um, there, there's sort of a music to the way you explain that. Anyway, um, so all right, so so let give us this typical story. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a past success. Obviously, you probably don't want to name any names, but give us what success looks like for for one of your clients. You know, a person comes to you, they experience the process of, and I'm going to call it what it is. People who know how to listen very well, it's almost like a drug. You get addicted to it. It's a powerful thing. They experience your really listening to them and understanding them and then they interact with you. What does success look like for them when your engagement engagement with them is done? So a woman that she actually just signed up for another year with me. Um, we were at the, the back end of our first year working together and we created a game for her called the opposite game. Ooh. And this came from us being in conversation. And the more I get to know someone, the longer we speak, the better I can really fine tune our conversations. Mm -hmm. And what I was hearing in her conversation was where she would be in the middle of a conversation or getting ready to reach out to someone and she would hold back mm. or she would, she would hear someone say something with a potential client that could bring her revenue for her business and she would stall. And what I found is, so when that happens, tell me what thoughts running through your head? Well, if I say what I really want to say, they're going to be mad at me. Or if I say what I really want to say, they're, they're not going to want to sign up with me. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we actually took time to divulge, pull out, extrapolate all the thoughts were there. And then we created a game with her. I said, in the moments when you think that you should hold back or this is what you should do. I want you to do the exact opposite of what you normally do. Mm. And so she, we had her, had her test that for two weeks and she agreed to it. I don't force her to do something she doesn't want to do of course, because um, she saw the value in it. And after we connected on it two weeks later and she was sending me daily updates, she goes, Matt, I feel more powerful than I've ever felt in my life. She goes, I feel like I've, I'm actually using my voice. I feel like people are actually getting great results from working with me because I'm saying the things to them that no one else will say in a way that they would need to hear to help them move forward with their lives. Cause she's she just coaching as well. Mm -hmm. And what really happened there was it was me just bringing out and turning into a game where I saw that she was hiding from her own potential. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. Um, you know, on your website, you say that you help people with how to be kind, sincere, bold, in a yeah. world craving change. Tell us about that. Um, you know, what, what do you mean by a world craving change? I think if you can look almost anywhere right now and see where there's some kind of change being um, desperately sought. Mm. And no matter what change we're talking about, political, uh, economic, uh, whatever, whatever dynamic we want to go down, whatever intersection, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have heartbeats. Yeah. And I don't personally think that kindness will ever go out of style. No. <laughs> if anything, it should be more in style. Yeah. And the reason I put bold, sincere, and kindness together is because I think sometimes we feel that if we're bold, we're not being kind. And yet sometimes what, what is really the truth is being honest and being bold with someone is what they need most. And that's what's truly kind. Not a socially conditioned like oh i'm fine or a socially conditioned like you'll figure it out it's it's really about being willing to for someone's well-being for someone's life to be 
witnessed mm-hmm. to be willing to say the things are uncomfortable, but you can also do it in a kind and, and genuine, sincere way. Yeah. I think of my business that way. People don't pay me to be their, be their friend and they don't pay me to be their yes person. Mm. They pay me to say the things to them that other people won't. However, it is important for me to always stay in a, in a genuine, kind, sincere way. Because anything I say is about their well-being and the positive, positive movements of their life. Yeah. You know, um, I have to say that when we had our little conversation before we got started, just I instantly connected to something in you um, that has to do with happiness. Um, the pursuit of, of just truth for yourself, regardless of what the world is saying or not saying. And it's infectious. I, I can feel that happiness. T- tell about tell us about your happiness journey. Um, you you know mine. Obviously, I'm leveraging my happiness to create my profit, and that's why we're in the profitable happiness conversation right, right now. That's my whole philosophy. But I'd love to know your view of how happiness works uh, for you or for others that you coach. You know. I'd be naive to think that someone might not be listening to us and going, oh, it seems easy for you. You know, you've had this career and this. Well, my life hasn't always been happy. You know, mm-hmm. when, I, when I was 18, I attempted to take my own life. I put a bullet in my head. Um, I, had, I was addicted to drugs. Uh, I tried to take my own life because life was scarier. It was scarier to be alive than it was to be dead. Mm-hmm. And so that was where my happiness journey started. Was at 18 yeah. when I survived it? And had to relearn to walk and was told I may never walk again. And so I put myself in that place. So I felt I knew what the bottom was. I knew what the like the, the bottom of the barrel was to feeling life. And then it then I went on the intellectual journey. It was like it's all about being intellectual. Being smart means happiness in this society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was what until I got into my 30s that I started to really understand the journey of the emotional well-being and spiritual well-being. And I don't mean that from a religious standpoint, it's just that relationship with ourselves. And it's been really the last three and a half years that have been the most profound in my happiness journey in that I've developed a more intimate and close relationship with myself. And in doing so, what has happened is this year, for example, I have created really, really strong relationships with both of my parents that, mm-hmm. I never had, that I never had my entire life. Yeah. And for anyone else that can relate to that, it can bring a lot of friction to your life when you have disjointed or disgruntled relationship with parents. So it's, it's really for me been starting to see what the bottom can be from a standpoint of despair and depression, sadness, but then also looking at each area of my life and how I relate to it and really starting to unravel what is getting in the way of my happiness. And what I mm-hmm. found is that and the sound may sound weird. It was always available to me. I just didn't know how to connect to it. Yeah. You know, um, I, th- I think you're alluding to something I really have always believed, and that is the power of perspective. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> in all honesty, maybe one of the reasons I'm th- such a happy guy, as they say, is because of where I came from. You know, it's like I was born in a war zone in Africa, you yeah. know, and, and by the magic of all kinds of realities, I'm living the American dream here. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, so I couldn't agree with you more. Perspective really is a key to happiness, isn't it? You have, I mean, I don't know about the whole story of the background, but it sounds like you have an exceptionally contrasting experience mm-hmm. 
that um, it probably makes little mundane things that might frustrate a lot of people look just obsolete. It's like, why, you know, why is this? Yeah, yeah it, you know, I just, you know, someone's frustrated. I say, let's dance, like you said earlier. <laughs> right? I say, let's yeah. dance, man. <laughs> so um, how can people leverage their their story, their happiness, their experiences going forward? You know, I, I, I think I think we both agree that this topic is so important, but not everyone recognizes how omnipresent this emotional life is and, and, and how much it's affecting us. Yeah. How can we master it? You know, that's kind of my question. You know, I, I always love to hear that, that perspective from executive coaches and, and life coaches. How can we actually get a hold of this thing? What, what book do I have to go buy? <laughs> Where do I start? You know, I love this question and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I just know my experience and the people mm -hmm. I've worked with. The first part started with a really a serious wanting to. Mm. Am I really committed to happiness? Like we can say we want happiness, but are we committed to it? And there is a difference. Um, I'm committed to happiness, but there were a lot of uncomfortable things I had to learn and see along the way to actually get to a point where I could feel it consistently. And so there's that element. Like, do you really, really want it? Yeah. Are you willing to commit to happiness no matter what's happening out here? Can you have your partner walk out the door and say goodbye forever and you still somehow stay happy? Can you have someone cut you off in traffic and you still are able to, to be happy? Because you know what? You're alive and life is still good. You know, what level of commitment do you bring to being happy? I think that's a really important question to ask first. And it's okay. It's not wrong if we can't say, yeah, I can have my partner walk out the door and I'm happy. Yeah. It's okay. Start with the traffic. Can, if we're someone that gets really mad at traffic, can we start with learning to be happy even when there's a traffic jam? It's a learning process. It's not an overnight thing. Mm. Um, that's the first part. And then from there, I would say it's really getting clear on what are the, the moments in time where I feel unhappy, where I feel like I need to cling to a person, an object, a thing like alcohol or food or caffeine or validation or anything to make me feel whole, to feel happy, what are those moments? What's occurring in those moments? And then take a look at those. And in those moments, how can you show up for yourself rather than needing to seek outside of yourself for happiness? Mm. Because there's the, the commitment first. Then there's the awareness of where you outsource your happiness. Mm. And then in those moments, the third point is, what are you doing in those moments when they arise to show up for yourself? So you, you know I'm writing this down here. Where do you outsource your happiness? That's yeah. a powerful one. <laughs> I love that. Especially in today's world where, you know, the, the, the word outsource has a big possible meaning. It's global. It's like, <laughs> you know, let's ship it off to another country and have them deal with it kind of a thing. Um, you know, that, that's amazing. A couple more things. Uh -huh. um, so it feels complete because if there's one thing I learned in my own journey of happiness is that I can easily, and I'll speak for me, easily live in why am I not there yet? Why am I not this happy level of happy yet? Why am I still getting frustrated? Why haven't I mastered this yet? Mm -hmm. And if you're someone that likes to master things quickly and normally do, and this doesn't come in quickly, it can be easy to get mad patient, be hard on yourself and give up. Yeah. And so during those steps, 
I would say the most important things you can bring to that is patience, mm. compassion, and understanding with yourself. So often we can bring compassion, patience, and understanding to other people, our loved ones, our kids. If we can bring that same level of care to ourselves, the journey will be a bit easier on you got the the truths just just coming out. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you have any special projects that you're excited about right now that you'd like to share. Um, you know, I mean, I know that you're kind of in a in a process of of deciding if you're going to stay in Denver. I believe you have other places you're looking at moving to right now. But do you have any special projects you're looking forward to? Well. Before COVID really took off, something I had been doing was meeting my clients in person to spend a day or two in yeah. nature. And actually, I would take them out into uh, adventure trips, and we would do coaching in nature. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm in Colorado, something I'm doing is, for anyone that's listening that's familiar with Wim Hof, he has been doing proving, breaking scientific ground about the value of cold exposure for psychological and physiological benefits. And so something I'm doing is actually taking myself out into the mountains and hiking shirtless and shorts in the cold. Whoa! In and, shorts? Uh, in shorts. And it's, <laughs> it is very much an intricate part of coaching. And that seeing how the mind and the body responds to environment mm. fun, and perception of what is real and what is not. And so a project that I'm working on is really bringing those experiences back to clients that I'm working with in a way that is also safe and considerate of COVID. Um, Because now more than ever, getting in new environments is going to be important. But I also want people to feel safe in the process too. Wow. So, you know, uh, when you mentioned uh, (laughs) hiking or or walking in the in Denver, I happen to know that Denver, there's a place in Denver that is the second coldest place in the United States, second only to International Falls, Minnesota, which is where I used to live. <laughs> where, where, where is this place? I don't remember, but I just know there's a place in Denver, Colorado that is supposed to be, probably Google it, the second the second uh, coldest place in, in the country. So you're walking around in shorts? <laughs> That's going to be tough. In the, in the mountains. In the mountains, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, you know, I, I just I just feel like um, there's a certain spiritual uh, thing about you. Like you're very much connected uh, to, to a source. And I, I just, I can feel that power. And I'm sure people can feel and imagine what it would be like to, to, to go through that experience in the cold. Um, how can people reach you if they want to learn more about you or maybe talk to you, maybe even become a client of yours? If someone would like to do some research on me before we talk, then fully understand. Uh, or if they even don't want to talk, just be curious, they can go to my website. It's matthoganworldwide.com. Mm-hmm. Or they can look me up on Instagram. It's matt underscore hogan underscore worldwide. And if you want to email me, if you just want to go straight to a conversation, and I would be happy to have a conversation with anyone that wants to reach out. It's Matt at MattHoganWorldwide.com. I'll, I'll also include your LinkedIn uh, handle because uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's where we met. And, um, you know, Matt, thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for being a guest on my show. The one thing I'm not happy about is that we can't go for coffee when COVID is, is over because you don't live in Austin anymore. <laughs> we, we would have to do virtual coffee. We'll do co- virtual coffee. Okay. Matt, thank you for being a guest here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.